It was a good night to be a Fred Hoiberg Associated College basketball team on Tuesday night as his current and former teams take down numbers one and two. So leave Tulane the question today. Who wants to be number one? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. I'm your host, joined today by our guy, Leaf Tulene, who's got that hair looking on point today. Leaf, way to go. Look, this is a family man. He's just coming off of helping his mom with some stuff. Leaf, I'm very proud of you. Way to go. We want to thank you for making us your first listener. Watch to get your college basketball content every day day. Welcome in in particular to you everydayers, but if you're new to the show, we want to let you know that there is a Locked on College Basketball Discord where you can come hang out with us and chat college basketball all day long. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. Leaf, we got a big old fat Tuesday night of college basketball to unpack here. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk number one and number two both going down, but we got to look at Texas sliding by Cincinnati. Rob Dillingham having the biggest game of his young college career for Kentucky. And oh boy, tonight we have seven AP ranked teams on the road against unranked teams. Five of the top nine teams in the polls. Going to be great. But Leaf, let's start. With Houston going down, look, coming into Saturday's action, we still had three undefeated teams left. Ole Miss got blitzed, James Madison lost, and so it was down to Houston, and then they go out and lose their very next game to Fred Hoiberg's Iowa State Cyclones, the score 57-53. Hilton Magic ends the undefeated watch of this season. Leaf, what did you see in this game? Well, I think... Neither of us truly believed Houston was a national championship contender before this, even even being undefeated and having quite a resume um, that they've built over not only this year, but the last few years, mostly because, and, and I feel like for both of us, it was consolidated by Terrence Arsenault being hurt. That's right. Um, so what you saw here is a team that struggles to score against a very good defensive team in Iowa State. Fred Hoiberg made Iowa State offensively potent, and they beat all those teams with offense. Now it's T.J. Otzelberger, and he's blasting teams with <laughs> traps and turnovers and runs. And they struggle to score as well, but if they can get enough turnovers and just enough offense, they're really hard to play. Uh, Houston wasn't able to impose their will on the glass like they usually can. Uh, I thought that Iowa State did a really good job up front rebounding the ball. And Houston, at the end of the game, tried to uh, – go to three-pointers from Shed and Cryer. And when they aren't falling from Cryer, this is the same question I posed a little bit ago when we were trying to talk about who we believed in, is if if Cryer's not shooting well, who's going to score? The answer was Emmanuel Sharp. He scored right. 20 points. He was really good. But it's just hard to have a guy that was pigeonholed to be your probably third or fourth best player now being your best scorer in tough games and, and the road in Big 12 play. And no one's going to get through Big 12 play unscathed. No. So no this one was not a shock. In fact, uh, Iowa State was two-point favorites, um, so it was not really a, a huge upset whatsoever. But uh, down goes the undefeateds, and now college basketball is reset, and we can look at it from a new. So I wouldn't say I'm shocked, and I wouldn't say it's like a categorically 
uh, defining loss at all. Like, are, are they not contenders because of this loss? No. The reason that they wouldn't be contenders if they're not to you is because they struggle to score, and it's hard to win sustainably, winning six straight games without scoring well. Yeah, and I like that just at the big picture level, Leaf. I love you using that reset word because we're always like waiting to see what's going to happen, and we hold on to teams at the top till they start taking L's. And then as we get into conference play, dude, this is the for me the best. Like I love all the sexy matchups we get in non-con play, but this is when teams start having to go on the road and taking L's like this, and we're going to see more and more and more of it. You're spot on with LJ Cryer and Jamal Shedd. I mean. With about 15 minutes to go, they were shooting a combined two of 11 from the field and two of nine from three. They finish just two of 14 from three. That's not going to cut it for this team. I mean, they're really, really relying on LJ Cryer. It's kind of similar to Tennessee last year where they had, you know, they were phenomenal defensively, but especially once Sakai Ziegler went down, had no offense. This year they've got Ziegler back and uh, Dalton Connect, and so you're thinking things are going to be good, but what happens when those guys aren't going? And we saw a little bit of that rear its head in this one, but thank goodness for Emmanuel Sharp. Um, but here's the thing, Leaf, I thought once Houston came back and took the lead, because um, Iowa State led for a long time, and I was like, uh, Houston's got this lead, they're going to finish it out. So props to Iowa State for being able to do that and, and keep plugging away. Um, I mean, this, this game-winning shot from... Momchilovich was ridiculous. Houston brings that double. He spins baseline. And it's one of those, no, 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 no. Okay, great kind of shots uh, to ultimately win the game for Iowa State. Really impressive. They're the most turnovers for Houston all season. And Leaf, on the Iowa State side of things, we've been waiting all season to find out, like, how legit is this Cyclones team? Um, They had kind of that week non-con where we being fooled by the computers, and through two Big 12 games, they're one and one. Obviously, um, going on the road to lose at Oklahoma is by no means a bad thing. They they showed that they can hang. And then doing this proves that Iowa State is ready to be right there in the mix in Big 12 play again this year. We've got a whole bunch of one and one teams after. Well, actually just four, and, and we'll talk about the other, uh, uh, excuse me, five. No, four teams, one and one. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place with that. But uh, both of which are as a result of Tuesday night's action. And so um, props to Iowa State. We'll have to keep our eyes on them legitimately and then see how Houston navigates this first season in Big 12 play. Leaf, let's go to the other uh, top two team to fall. And I, you know, we referenced Fred Hoiberg because uh, this is um, the team that he is now coaching and that is nebraska who knocks off purdue um leaf same thing is this an indictment of purdue this is now two road losses in big 10 play losing earlier at northwestern of course that there are only two losses this season uh do you see this in any way as an indictment of the boilermakers and what they're capable of or just like yeah it's conference play you're gonna have it yeah more more of the latter uh i i think I think that a team in Nebraska or Northwestern both are likely to be tournament teams, and they're geared up. It's it's their Super Bowl to beat the number one team, um, and, and I, that's maybe not fair to Nebraska or Northwestern because they both have aspirations to play beyond just the regular season. But the fa- fact of the matter is, playing in front of your home t- a stadium and playing the number one team in the country is an appeal. And so, if you can play that team and you get and you have your best effort, and they don't have their best game, and you win. That why should why should Purdue be categorized as like a fraud or oh I'm concerned. <laughs> the one thing I would be concerned about if I am Purdue is 
a lot of teams will watch the film of this type of game and see how to neutralize Zach Eady because Zach Eady was as pedestrian as he's been in two years in this game. He had 15 points and seven rebounds. Like, that's still a good game by most people, but not by Zach Eady categories. Like, Zach Eady averages 22 and 10. And there's games where he gets pulled out early because the Boilers are dominating. Um, I I would say that what they did well was force turnovers. Purdue struggled with turnovers, and they struggled to find sustainable offense with Zach Eady being neutralized to a degree. Uh, You saw Braden Smith struggle from the field, three of eight. Fletcher Lawyer, three of nine. So a lot of their big guns scoring the ball didn't have those type of games. And I think it had a lot to do with the pressure and the run and gun nature of Nebraska. Nebraska runs the floor really, really hard. They were close in the rebounding battle, which is no teams really are with Purdue. Right. There was 31 to 27. And then in terms of turnovers, Purdue committed 13 of them. And that's not terrible. But Matt Painter said in the interview that I found particularly revealing or before the season, a turnover for Purdue is what loses them game. It's not, it's not shooting terribly. Last year, they shot 30% from three. Didn't bother them whatsoever. He's like, well, some days you shoot better than others, but if you get the ball on the rim, you get another, you get another chance to score because they're so good at rebounding. If you turn it over, you can't get your defense set, and particularly Zach Eady doesn't have a chance to get set. Yeah, and you know the thing with Eady is, as you said, had 15, but only two at halftime. Um, and was it their game this weekend where Trey Kaufman Wren, you know, was like, okay, this is what we need from you, homie. Not only doesn't score in this game, he didn't have a single shot attempt. Leaf played 15 minutes and like Purdue needs more out of him. Um, obviously got good production from Mason Gillis in this game, 16 points off the bench. And so you'll take that five players in double digits for Purdue. But um, look, let's celebrate Nebraska in this thing too. This is their fourth ever win over number one, but just their first since 1982 Leaf, How about that? It's been over four decades since uh, the Huskers have had a win over number one. Um, and I'm with you with Purdue. I, I, I think this is more about just like, you're going to have games like this and you learn from it and move on. They've still got, uh, six quad one wins, the most in the nation. Their resume is great. They've played a very, very difficult schedule. And so you can allow a couple road losses in conference play. Now you don't want to start stacking these up leaf. I think that's the thing that Purdue has to avoid is in other moments, go out and get big road wins to kind of legitimize what we're seeing from them. So I'm, I am looking to see that, but I can totally excuse, as you said, losses at Northwestern and, um, and, and then now at Nebraska. So very quickly before we move on, the question then comes, I know we've got games the rest of the week and over the weekend before we get our new AP poll. But that said, Leaf, who is number one right now? Does this bump up Kansas or UConn or is Purdue's resume still strong enough that we would keep them right there in this top slot? What are, what are your thoughts? To me, Purdue's resume is still the strongest. Um, and I think there are teams better than Kansas. Uh, I just personally don't see Kansas winning the national championship this year. With They've got some flaws that are apparent to me, and that's shooting the ball. And sometimes they struggle to score. And honestly, they didn't look good at home against TCU. Yep. But you've got to reward recent play. And so I think Kansas will be number one. I don't think they're the best team in the nation. I, I still think they're better resumes, but not by much. And based on the recent wins, I think they're the most likely to claim it. Yeah, that's right where I'm at. I I, I don't want to relitigate that any more than you did. I still think Purdue has the best resume. I don't believe in Kansas, but that's what the voters will do, in my opinion. Again, you know, uh, we'll have to see what happens the rest of the week as well. But it does show 
that in conference play, anyone can lose at any time, particularly on the road. So we'll have to keep our eyes on that. Kind of makes it fun when there's this whole mixed bag of what's going on at the top. All right, Leaf. Going back to Big 12 play, Texas was in serious danger of falling to 0-2 in Big 12 play, but Max Asmus, the little man from Oral Roberts, saved the day. What's it mean for the Longhorns? We're going to talk about all of that right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. Hey, what's one thing I can do to make this year the best year of my business? How can I take it to the next level? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team that you surround yourself with. That's why they've created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. It's not just some other job board. LinkedIn Jobs has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, making it insanely easy to hire when you have that many quality candidates. We have big plans to grow this show in 2024, and we know that hiring the right team member could help us do that exact thing. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. They also know that small businesses are wearing so many hats and hiring might not be the easiest thing to do. And so thankfully with LinkedIn, that process is simple, quick, intuitive, and easy. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Leaf Tulane and Isaac Shade here with you on Wednesday. Right now, we're recapping all the action from Tuesday night. We've just talked about number one and number two falling on the same night. But Leaf, elsewhere, the team that we are still incensed about being ranked currently in the AP poll, Texas at number 25. Uh, they saved even further ignominy on Tuesday night at Cincinnati when Max Asmus kind of maybe traveled early in the possession, but ended up hitting a baseline jumper that bounced up and around the rim and finally fell through. Cincinnati wasn't able to get off a good shot. They had a timeout, chose not to use it, and Texas heads back home from Ohio with a 74-73 victory. What a turn, Leaf, because Texas would have been 0-2 in Big 12 play. Cincinnati would have been 2-0 in Big 12 play after knocking off BYU over the weekend. Instead, both are 1-1, just like Houston and Iowa State. Leaf, Texas was up 2 in this one, tied at 45 with 15 to go, and the Longhorns are able to get it done. What did you think about this game? Well, I think it was must-win for Texas, and whether they traveled, whether... Whatever happened in that game, they ended up winning, and that's what mattered in this one. Dylan DeSue is back, and that and, yeah. and he had a, and he had a game that signified he was back, not just back in terms of oh he's playing. He played well, <laughs> and I think that elevates Texas to a point where why there's faith in the AP poll. They shouldn't be in the AP poll. I I fully agree with you in that that it's ridiculous that they're in the AP poll currently, but the reason that there is faith for the Longhorns and why they can still be a team that can, I won't say contend for the Big 12, I don't think they're quite there, but they can be a team that can represent the Big 12 well in the tournament and win a round or two, uh, hinges on Dylan DeSue, and then the growth of Dylan Mitchell. And I think Texas has that unique blend of athleticism and game um, between their backcourt and then the athleticism in the frontcourt, and Dylan DeSue, K uh, Caden Shedrick, and Dylan Mitchell present one of the more imposing frontcourts in the country. So I think this was a must-win game, and they got it, and hopefully it trends them in the right direction because part of the reason we have so much faith in the Big 12 basketball is the depth and the depth at the top. Right now, it's just depth. 
um, without too many people playing at, at the top level. So Texas may help improve that that middle ground where where you see a slight fall off after the top ten teams. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and that's that's such a good point about. Texas is, you know, now that DeSue is back, not only playing, but healthy and doing work, uh, that just, it slides everyone down the depth chart one slot. And in college basketball, man, when you really only need eight dudes to do it, that makes a massive difference for a team. And so this is a big deal for Coach Rodney Terry as they get it going. Um, You know, it's funny because while I don't think Texas should be in the top 25 right now, I want them to be like, I want Texas to be good enough because on paper, they're, as you said, they're a phenomenally talented basketball team and they have the capability to be there, but they got to go prove it now. And they did that. As you said, you just got to win elsewhere in the Big 12. Leaf, we had the lone ranked on ranked matchup of Tuesday night, and that was BYU at Baylor in that brand new arena there in Waco. Baylor wins this one 81 to 72. Uh, look, Leaf, BYU was up by six at the half, had a big opportunity to get to one and one in Big 12 play after losing, as we said, uh, over the weekend. But instead, Baylor's able to win at home. And now the Cougars are 0 and 2 in their inaugural Big 12 action man Jalen Bridges what a massive game for Baylor 25 points on 7 of 14 shooting 8 of 9 at the free throw line filling up the stat sheet leaf five boards two assists a steal and a block not to mention zero turnovers I know that coach Drew is pleased with that and man as as we've been saying this big 12 race is really interesting anything anything of note for you in this one well I I think it showed me what I what I already thought I knew in that neither of these teams are particularly good. It, mm. it, it's they're they're solid and they both can shoot, but I don't have faith for either of these teams making the second weekend. Um, wow. I, I'm from I'm from Utah, and so there's a lot of talk locally here about BYU, and some of them with my friends, some just people on Twitter. I, I don't think BYU is going to fare very well in the Big Twelve. I thought they represented themselves nicely in this game. I predicted they'd go five and thirteen or six and twelve, and I settled on six and twelve in the Big Twelve um, before the season, uh, before the Big Twelve season began. Even though BYU was number two in the net when I said it, um, I, I think I think what happened in this game is Baylor was like, "Oh, well, we've been here before. Let's let's finish out a game at home because we have to win at home." But Oklahoma State, they played prior, and Oklahoma State's not an easy place to play, but they're not good, and Baylor barely won in overtime. I don't think their guards, A.J. Dennis and Jaden Nunn, play winning basketball. They may have improved defensively from last year, but they take away from Jacoby Walter, and Jacoby Walter especially. you got to get him the ball. And Jalen Bridges played the hero, scoring as many as he did against a team in BYU that I've, or I said I don't believe is that great. So what does that mean about Baylor? As for BYU, I think they play a really nice brand of basketball. I just don't think they have the athletes. Like, they've got a team that's mature. They're older. They went on missions. And they play <laughs> cohesive basketball. But at a certain point, those guards are getting hounded. I, I mean, I, I, I've i been a fan of Dallin Hall longer than many people know who he is because he went to high school in Utah. And he was the player of the year in his senior class, and he was excellent. But but it's different when Jamal Shedd's going to be hounding you, when uh, when Dewan Harris is going to be hounding right. you. Baylor had gave him a taste of that, and in that game, there's a bit of a struggle. Uh, Trevin Nell shot well, but not the nine threes he made the time before. So 
I actually think both these teams are pretty mediocre. And if I were to pick a ceiling between these two teams and Texas, I think Texas is a higher ceiling, even though right now they've been far worse. And I would rank all three of them, Texas, Baylor, uh, then BYU. Agreed or no? Yes. Uh, So, man, hopefully BYU can hold on to this thing. But, yeah, I worry that Big 12 play is going to get them. Leaf, elsewhere around the nation, let me just rattle off a couple of other results from Tuesday night, and and we'll see what you want to hop in on. Uh, In the Mountain West, we talked about that a lot on Tuesday's show, looking at, uh, you know, potentially five teams in the tournament. The one on the outside kind of looking in that might be a six is Boise State, who got a massive home win over Colorado State, 65 to 58. Kentucky and Duke both rolled on Tuesday night. Kentucky at home against Mizzou. We already talked, uh, I mentioned earlier at least how Rob Dillingham had a massive career night in that one. Duke blitzed Pittsburgh up at Pitt 75 to 53. Auburn held serve at home against Texas A&M 66-55. Tigers are now 2-0 in SEC play. A&M fell to 0-2. They are embarrassing me, uh, Leaf, and that's no good. San Diego State hangs on at San Jose State, 81-78. And then Wake Forest takes their first ACC loss at Florida State. Knowles are now up to 3-1 and one in ACC play. Wake Forest falls to 3-1, and one, meaning that a matchup we're about to talk about later is going to be for first place in the ACC. Leaf, what of that do you want to hit on? I actually think uh, this will be covering three of the teams you mentioned, but they're all ranked 10 through 20. Um, I think that Kentucky, well, I guess Kentucky's not, but they have been. Kentucky, <laughs> Duke, and Auburn are all Elite Eight, maybe Final Four good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Kentucky and Duke are. Auburn, I hesitate to say they're Final Four good just because their offense kind of ebbs and flows. There's games where they score 90, and there's games where they struggle to <laughs> score like this one, where for much of the game, I think it was 48-48 at one point, and then it was like a free-throw shooting game the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, I think all of them are really good. Auburn obviously presses and rotates a lot of bodies. They kind of play a la old Florida State, where they play a lot of players, not a ton of minutes, and they get a ton of energy and attack the rack, and you get tired playing them. Uh, Duke, you know, they were picked in the top five before the season, and this was a team I thought was the best team entering the season. They don't have a rim protector, which is why I hesitate to say I really buy them as a champion, but they score the ball really well. They hardly turn it over, and they shoot really well. That's a really good recipe. Kentucky, we've talked about them at, uh, many times. They've got a lot of guards. Guards win. Typically, they're not freshman guards, but their assisted turnover is through the roof. They showed a gritty win winning at Florida from behind, and they've got enough athleticism in the front court, even though they're, they're two bit bigger players that are in the freshman class. Aaron Bradshaw and Justin Edwards, in particular, have been much maligned. They're still athletic and talented that yep. you believe yep. that there could be improvement. And even if Reed Shepard and Rob Dillingham regress to the mean, and then Bradshaw and Edwards progress to the mean. I think that's a net positive. Yeah. And so I, I really buy Kentucky's future aspirations, especially with a couple of players like Mitchell and Reeves to guide them along as upperclassmen. So that would be my takeaway is that a couple of those teams ranked in a similar place to where BYU and Baylor are are completely different in my eyes in terms of contender versus pretender. I think that's a really helpful way to separate and look at these teams. I love that um, potential regression and progression to the mean that you talked about with Kentucky Leaf because that balance, what that would do from them for them from a balance standpoint, I think is going to help Coach Cal's team in a massive way. Going back to AM and Auburn really quick, Wade Taylor was two of 16 in that game, Leaf. He, I mean, it's like 
he's got to do more if Texas A&M wants to be a competitor at all. But for Auburn, great stuff there. Obviously, Jalen Williams with 22. And, uh, man, great stuff from Auburn. We'll continue to watch that. We just ranked, uh, who was it in order? BYU, Baylor, and Texas. Leaf, those three teams you just mentioned, right now, what order would you put them in in terms of, like, favorites to win the national championship between Duke, Kentucky, and Auburn? I'll go Kentucky, Duke, Auburn. Same. Uh, Me too. I, I think I think Kentucky and Duke is closer than the gap between Auburn, and that's no slight to Auburn. I just think they don't have the horses offensively. And though the old old adage is defense wins championships, and I still believe in that. I, I think the ease with it with which the other two teams score, in particular, their both their assisted turnovers and their lack of committing turnovers, stand out to me because they they have those five star recruits. Now, if they figure out how to play a more sustainable brand of basketball, like on the interior for Duke. And or you get a more of an imposing presence from Bradshaw and Edwards for Kentucky. I think that really elevates your propositions. But right now, what it is, is that they play offensive basketball. It's efficient. And the defense, I believe, in those type of athletes to be able to progress. Yeah, that's that's all really well said. Uh, it's kind of similar with Auburn in the SEC in general, where. Tennessee and Kentucky are tier one. Auburn, to me, is tier two all by themselves right now and then down. But it's that same kind of gap that you talked about with Duke and Kentucky. Leaf, let's look ahead now to Wednesday night. We have seven AP-ranked teams heading to the road to play an unranked team tonight. Who's the most likely to take an L? We're going to answer that question in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season just wrapped up, and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, though, as we head into playoffs this weekend. This is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets when or lose. Their app is very easy to use, and there's so many different ways that you can get in on the action. Same game parlays. They've got a brand new explore tab that helps you find bets. Or we were just talking about national championship. How about some final four odds? Purdue at plus 220, Houston and Arizona both at plus 250, UConn at plus 290, heads back a bit from there, Kansas at plus 410, and how about this leaf? Auburn. The six best odds at plus 470. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Fanduel, official partner of the NFL. Leaf, looking ahead to Wednesday night, it's kind of a fun slate, and here's why. There are nine total AP ranked teams in action. Two of them are at home, seven are on the road, and all of them are playing at unranked teams, including five of the top nine teams in the AP poll. Let me reel it off. And then my question for both of the, both of us, who is the most likely of these seven to take an L tonight? Number three, Kansas at UCF. Number four, UConn at Xavier. Number five, Tennessee at Mississippi State. Number seven, North Carolina at NC State. Number nine, Oklahoma at TCU. 15, Wisconsin at Ohio State. And number 21, Clemson at Virginia Tech. Leaf, that's a fun slate tonight, and uh, man, I'm excited to watch it. Which one of those, to you, is most likely to fall? I've got two I like. Uh, I'm deciding between Wisconsin at Ohio State and Oklahoma at TCU. Both of those stand out to me as the team that's at home isn't far out of the AP poll, like in terms of their quality, and so it's less of a, 
oh, ranked versus unranked. It would be like in terms of Oklahoma, it's nine versus, in my opinion, like 27. And uh, in, in the other one, Wisconsin versus Ohio State, something similar, like 15 versus 30. And then you give the home side a, an advantage of, of hey, it's students are back. It's, it's Big Ten play for Ohio State or Big 12 play for TCU. I think both those teams are very capable of pulling the upset. And I, I think probably of the seven you listed, I bet three of the road te- of three of the home teams that are lower ranked win. Um, if I had to pick, those would be my two ed circle. Yeah, and and that's the thing. I think a lot of people might not just kind of put together is like, oh, this team is ranked. This team isn't. The ranked team should clearly win. That's just not the case, particularly in college basketball, where you play thirty one regular season games uh, for teams with. 20 game conference schedules, 10 of those are true road games. You are going to take road L's. And so uh, in in a lot of these, I I didn't put the lines up for us, Leaf, but I would imagine that a lot of these uh, uh, ranked road teams are actually probably the underdogs in these games. Now, a lot of people would look at this and say, oh, well, Clemson is the most likely to lose because there's the lowest ranked of these. But Leaf, I'm I'm not going to buy into that because Clemson is coming off back-to-back losses at Miami last week and then home to North Carolina on Saturday. Uh, I believe in this Clemson team, and they are, to me, a much better team than Virginia Tech, and I think they'll go on the road to Blacksburg and take care of business. I was with you. I was looking at that Wisconsin game. Um, I think the Badgers are in a good spot, but Ohio State, uh, at home there in Columbus, I feel good about them being able to do work there. And so I was actually going to pick Wisconsin, so I like you kind of wavering between those two. Keep an eye on, though, I will say UConn at Xavier. They're still without Donovan Klingon, the Huskies are. And, man, the Big East has just been a slog for everyone. There are no undefeated teams remaining in this conference, and so uh, that's something to keep an eye on. But, I mean, I could leave. We could go through this and pick any of these. Um, Kansas, we've seen, as you already said earlier in the show, some vulnerabilities there. Now, it's UCF, so I'm a little like, "Eh, I don't think that, but. You just never know. Mississippi State getting out all their cowbells. They're going to be ringing them. That's a possibility, although we believe in Tennessee. Um, So we'll see with that. So Leaf, going to be a fun, fun night of college basketball. Andy will be with you all on tomorrow's show to break it all down and unpack it. You know there's going to be some great action. It just never know where it's going to come from. We want to thank you so much for hanging out with us today to recap Tuesday night and get ready for Wednesday night. Come join us in the Locked On College Basketball Discord to talk about all of this tonight in real time. We'd love to have you there. The link is in the show notes. By the way, you can vote for our podcast on the Sports Podcast Awards. We are up for Best Basketball Podcast. The link to vote is in the show notes as well. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, rate, and review. Five stars. Talk about why you love it. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash that like button. As always, apologies to the lawyer family, especially today. Go Wildcats, and until tomorrow, peace.